Hail Murray, full of plays, the Lord is with thee. <laughs> I knew you got I knew you could. <laughs> Blessed do are thou amongst the Cardinals. <laughs> Blessed is DeAndre Hopkins. The Catholic, what a catch. The Catholic boy in you couldn't resist. Uh the your, your I had to go mo- back to those roots. Your mother from- <laughs> would be very proud uh at the start of that that you you still had some then. I don't the last time I said a Hail Mary, I was uh my dad used this as a punishment for Phil and I. And I, uh, my little brother, Phil, I, I must've been like six, seven years old. I think we got in a fight or something. And I was, I just remember vividly having to get down on our knees, face the wall and, uh, say, my dad said, <laughs> you each had to say five Hail Marys and like four our Lord's whatever's. And I knew the Hail Mary, but Phil didn't from our, so he, it was, it was <laughs> so like, it, it was like an echo chamber. It. You'd hear Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Full of grace, full of grace. The Lord's with the Lord's with you. And I just remember hearing my mom laughing in the background. Uh, so, yeah, religion uh, didn't exactly stick in the Hesman household growing up, but uh, I, re- I remember it. But, listen, the larger point on that is I didn't honestly know of Kyler Murray had that arm strength. I mean, he throws an accurate ball, yeah, and he's yeah. got a laser, but that was a bomb, and it got there. And it wasn't pretty. Uh, it got there. And, and he he made that play happen. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't standing tall in the pocket all day to throw. I mean, he 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 moved around to get that play off. Did you hear that they call that play Dallas? Do you know why? Oh, is that right? They no, call that no. play Dallas, and it's Cliff Kingsbury. It's the exact same play that Roger Sue against Dallas. Remember when he in like the playoff game? where he had that laser, it was like a 30-yard, um, and it was like caught that amazing catch from like Cook on the uh, – like the, Oh, uh, on the sideline. Sideline. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then to set up then a game-winning like 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 a 30-yard touchdown pass. So oh, it okay, wasn't okay. – there's the option for the Hail Mary, but the first read is like get it to the sideline with like two seconds left, and then we have a, we have a better chance to just like run a play play. And, and Rodgers rolled out on that play as well. Yes, the it's the same so, yeah, exact rollout. Uh, and so Cliff said that the Hail Mary wasn't the first. So a little bit of not controversy, but kind of funny where Cliff's like, you know, Kyler knows the Hail Mary is there if he sees it. But the first read is actually Dallas get to the sideline, get us 20 yards chunk play to get us closer. So maybe they didn't believe in Kyle Mur- uh, Kyler Murray's arm there. It's interesting. Maybe not. Very but I think there were there were at least a couple rosaries on the sidelines after that one. We are gonna have to do, I don't want to do this now, but we are going to have to, probably in the offseason. I could spend all day ranking quarterbacks i mean the quarterback right, right. play yeah, absolutely the, and we'll save it for the offseason obviously but like i there are so many young quarterbacks in this league right now that i would kill to have on my bears team right now i would yeah. just like to build around i mean there's easily 10 11 guys under the age of like 27 20 like that i would be like yeah i'd take them right now in a heartbeat. I think I could win a Super Bowl with these guys. We'll have to talk about that soon. Kyler is very much in that discussion. Absolutely is. And, um, you know, that's a, a perfect segue into our Week 10 NFL recap. Welcome into the Football Lounge, everybody. Uh, you know, 
my, my girlfriend Grace made a good point. So, you know, obviously last week didn't work out. We weren't able to get a show out there. But look, every NFL team gets a bye week. We get a bye week as well. Hey. That was our bye week, folks. That's all it was. Well done. I was we needed ignored. to rest up. I was just getting ignored and be like, wait, we didn't do a show last week? Whatever. It's not a big deal. The no, sponsors look, I, are very we, angry. We we rested up the vocal cords and Mama uh, Lou's, you know, now fully ready to go. Mama Lou's Crystal Lake Kitchen, our main sponsor, is very upset that we. Uh, we <laughs> she was her. ready to drive that the Mama Lou van all the way out here. <laughs> and, she still and have do that the van? show herself. Does she still have that van? Well, she has. She a new has version. The, the, the um a, a new version, if you will. She actually uh, turned in. So so for those that don't know, she had a really a really old one that was like gold. A giant we were, conversion. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then she got the the, the big green, green one. one, and both of them had TVs in them, which was awesome for vacations yeah. and stuff. She she just recently, about a year and a half ago, turned it in for a, a Ford Explorer. Okay, so, so it's uh, <laughs> much more efficient, much much better. Which is so comical because Dan Van, it's not like you. It would make sense for my mom to have that giant van with like eight seats and all this space. It was just you and Michael. It was a four-person family. It, she just, she, she loved having the big rig, and it had you know it had a bed in the back for long vacations. Oh yeah, we could, we could go right. and lay down. It was great. It was great. It was I, very good. Know, very good. No complaints growing up. But I can't right. imagine the the gas costs. But um, yeah. So yeah, we had our bye weekend. Uh, but that's that's good. We, well, a lot of things happened over the past two weeks, obviously. So we can kind of um go into this week 10 recap and, and see where teams are at as we get ready for the final quarter of the NFL season. It's crazy to say, but we're, we're nearing that final quarter um, pretty close. Uh, before we get into that, uh, let's do today in sports history. This is a, a pretty cool one, actually. Um, so um, I, I had no idea about this. Uh, on this day, back in 1968, so it's November 17th, 1968, NBC cutaway from the final minutes of the New York Jets Oakland Raiders game to begin the movie Heidi, which was on schedule to play, and the Raiders game was going to be yes. too long. And they cut out with a minute to go in the game. The Raiders were down, and they ended up coming from behind to beat the Jets 43 to 32. They scored two touchdowns in nine seconds, and national TV audience missed all of it, and they were inundated with phone calls after that one. But they learned from that. You've seen, I've seen so many of these things. Like you see the videos about that historic you know, moment in NFL history. That was a huge moment, though, where the networks really learned. Oh my God, the NFL! Like, like this is for real. This is like, I mean, it was the NFL was big, but you you don't understand. I mean, for there, that was one of those turning points too, where the networks realized, oh wait, even for national audiences, a random NFL game. It, it has real staying power. People care more about that than whatever's upcoming next. It matters that much more. And look, working in local television, I've fielded plenty of phone calls from angry football fans, whether it's a weather cut-in that oh, we had to do. God. But see, though, and, and that it happens all the time. But weather cut-ins, and, you know, I'll say this till you know, I, you know, I'm I'm, you know, dead in the water. I, I will say, continue to, to sound these alarms. You know, when, when it's a weather cut in, it's people's lives at stake. Whether you think so or not, we're, we're cutting in for a reason, right, in local TV. But this, we're talking about Heidi for, the, for like, come on. I, I believe, wasn't that Shirley Temple? Wasn't that the movie listen, with the Shirley Temple girl? I, I'm not sure, I, but. 
I'm um, not an expert on a lot of things. I'm certainly not an expert on that. I will say this though. <laughs> I I have deleted. I've never deleted tweets because uh, I'm never I'm never worried about. I've never had that phase of my Twitter life where it's like, oh, I said horrible things, uh, and I feel very good about that. Uh, but I have deleted a couple tweets uh, that were very mean tweets directed at a local news station last year uh, because of the cut-ins during, I think it was during like, the playoffs. It, it no, was it was playoffs, like a, right? I think it was like a, oh. a college football playoff game. And it was one of those, it was like, dear God, I can't see the score anymore. Like, I don't mind the cut-in, <laughs> but move your logo, move the, the like, the little Doppler blob. Yeah. Cause you're covering the score. Like you're kind of like, <laughs> I was at it on my phone. I was like, I was like, you know, but I, I, I did delete a couple cause I realized that you're right. They're just doing their jobs and I don't mean to be that guy, but anyways, that's a good, that's a good segue into, we got, I mean, Dan, I, well, I, because know, we had some crazy weather. There was we some did. crazy oh, weather. Man, that, Browns, that Brown, what a great excuse for the Browns and Texans, both offenses looking like crap. Um, well, the Browns, and the Ravens. Run, the Browns running Patriots. the ball uh, very efficiently. You know, I, I kind of want to take this, especially as we're doing the show on a Tuesday, not our typical Monday, as opposed to going game by game a little bit. I, I'd like to start just kind of like AFC, and, and, and there are some where we're at in the AFC and everything going on. And, and I, I do think that, you know, we have to start looking at playoff picture. Like that is a huge sure. thing. And um, when you look at this weekend for the Colts, Titans, Browns, uh, Patriots, Ray, uh, Ravens, Dolphins, Raiders, all and Bills. Now, all of those teams. I mean, a, a half of the AFC. That wild card picture is getting so muddied, and you start to say to yourself, a team like the Ravens, who we just like penciled in as a playoff team this year, uh, not so fast. You now have you now have in the wild card spot the the Colts are, have the AFC South as of today, and the and the and Steelers obviously now running away with the AFC North. That leaves now the 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 for three spots: Browns, Raiders, Ravens, Titans, Dolphins. Yeah, and then yeah. you could argue the Bills. And they're all six and three. They're and you could all argue the Bills as well, but. It is, it is getting jam-packed with all teams that in my head now. I say, well, the Browns are a playoff team. Well, the Raiders are a playoff team. Well, the Titans are a playoff team. Well, the Colts, well, the – you know, you're all of a sudden <laughs> right, like, well, you could dude, go down dude, the you're, list. you're running out of playoff teams. And I don't know if any one of those teams I just listed are a Super Bowl team, but I think all of them are capable of an maybe an AFC championship run if the cards fall right. Um, it, it's very interesting. Where are your thoughts? I mean, the AFC races right now – that Baltimore loss was massive. It was a big loss. And, you know, I'm not taking um, too much in terms of, like, making a global statement about the Ravens from that game because, look, like, you know, New England earned that win and they deserve to be praised for, for beating the Ravens. But I, I at the same time, just because of the conditions of the game and the weather, I'm not going to make too much about the Ravens' um, you know, lack of offense because the conditions were so poor that it's hard to, to really come away with any clean takeaway from that game. Nonetheless, big win for the Patriots. I mean, winning that game, as you mentioned, everyone's six and three in that, you know, five through nine in the AFC, but they're right outside. I mean, one game, all of a sudden, they're right on the edge there of competing for that wild card. 
Um, and, you know, it was a big loss for the Ravens. You, you couldn't fall. They were already two and a half games behind Pittsburgh. And, you you know, going into the week, they probably assumed Pittsburgh was going to beat Cincinnati. you got to win that game to keep pace for the North because, as you mentioned, now you're right in the thick of it. They're the seventh seed right now. And you have the Browns and the Titans breathing down your neck. And, you know, Baltimore has to play Pittsburgh again. They really got to win that game now. And, you know, then you have the teams, like you mentioned, the Dolphins and the Raiders, who are, you know, have somewhat favorable schedules and are play, are red hot right now. So while the Ravens are cooling, some of these other teams in the AFC are really gaining steam and yeah. momentum as we go down into this final stretch. Coming into the year, and, and even at the beginning of the year, the first six, seven weeks, the NFC, and for years the NFC, has been the dominant conference. But now the AFC is starting to look like it's got a lot of players here. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think this is one of those years, too, where it, it, it I still think there's more, maybe more good teams in the NFC. But Absolutely. There, but there's but the AFC is getting so fascinating with these the, the wild card race. I think it's just more intriguing and more more fascinating than in the NFC. And I think it's because the NFC, there's a little less. It's a little less muddied. And I think a lot of that has to do with how bad the NFC East is uh, because you, you really – you don't have to worry about any of those teams. It Now, in the NFC, you really – when you talk about wild card spots, it's the West and the South. You know what I mean? And, um, and, right. and, and unless the Vikings can get a run – we'll talk about the NFC here in just a second. Focusing back on the AFC, I will say this. Um, I, I want to give a shout-out. I mean, obviously – Cleveland, I think of a lot of those teams we mentioned. I, I personally feel right now Miami, Oakland, uh, uh, Vegas. So I'm going to say Miami, Vegas, uh, Buffalo, obviously. Um, I would also say Baltimore, Tennessee, Indy. I think they're all better teams than Cleveland. I think Cleveland's at the low end of that. and I And I feel bad for Cleveland a little bit in the sense where this is a year where it's been such a, a culture year for them. I really feel good about the Browns franchise going forward. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, I don't think, is a guy who's a Super Bowl-level caliber caliber quarterback. I don't see him being, a, a you know, there's always that what-if, that one-off, that Trent Dilfer year, um, you know, the Nick Foles year where a guy can get hot at the right minute. Uh, Flacco in his, but you know, as far as year in year out, is that quarterback in that competitive race? I don't see that as Baker. I've never been a Baker guy, but it almost seems like in a year where we all thought going in, Cleveland was just going to be that dark horse. Like, oh yeah, they're going to get that seven seed. Now you got to deal with a Miami team, which I just think has better players, maybe better coached, and uh, and a quarterback I really love, uh, a Raiders team that I think has um not necessarily uh, the identity that Cleveland does, but has an easier path. Now we start looking at the schedules going forward. Uh, and obviously then uh, the AFC South with Tennessee and or Indy, I think are, those are both just better teams than Cleveland. So Cleveland, I think right now could be on the outside looking in, even though they're doing everything right. And they're, and they're establishing an identity and playing solid football, but they just could be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that because, you know, factoring in some of these other teams like the Raiders and, and the uh, the Dolphins, 
they they've been more competitive more often. Like the Raiders have been consistently competitive this season, and they they've taken good teams down to the wire. Cleveland has had its moments of getting absolutely blown out and had you know just an embarrassing showing. So for Cleveland, they've been riding a little bit more of a wave. Now it looks like maybe they're getting back to some consistency that they had the first month of the season. Yeah. But they'll have to really put that together over the next three, four weeks as well to actually stay in this race because some of these other teams, this is where teams are made, right? In November, in December, down the stretch, when you're actually uh, figuring out your identity, solidifying what you do well, and hammering home the details. That's where Cleveland needs to start actually putting that on tape week in and week yeah. out to come into it. I mean, right now they are on the outside looking. Well, you still have in Cleveland, you still have the Titans, Ravens, and Steelers. You have to play all three of them. Yeah. I would argue. And, th- and that's an opportunity. Yes. That's a big opportunity. It is opportunity. But because of those three games, if you just kind of schedule guess, you say those are losses, all of a sudden you're at least a six-loss team. Now, that's what makes this next week for Cleveland so huge because they have the Eagles. Uh, and because then after that it's Jags, uh, and they have a they have a game against the Giants, which doesn't look like an easy game anymore. And they still have a Jets game in there. So Cleveland, let's see. Uh, you know their offense; it just doesn't seem like they want to trust Baker at all. They love running the football. They should. They're a great running the football team. But uh, there's a couple games coming up here. He's going to have to make plays against the Ravens. He's going to have to make yeah, plays sure. against the Titans. He's going to have to make plays against the against the Steelers. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, as far as the NFC goes, Dan, um, when we kind of look at playoff pictures in a larger sense, you know, it's interesting because it, it looks to me as though the the division winners, uh, it, you know, seemed more clear. And then the Saints with this injury to Drew Brees, that throws everything into a loop. I, I want to talk about the Saints here and Drew Brees and Jameis Winston your thoughts, you hear that news immediately, like where your where's your head out with the Saints? Obviously, it still it feels to me like the Packers are gonna be solid in winning their division. Um, uh, but now you have the the South and the West that could be really toss-ups at this point in time. The Drew Brees injury being one, and the fact that the Rams, uh, uh Seahawks and Cardinals all look like they're pretty much the same team. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very tight race for that NFC South, and I think that's something we thought coming into the year um, with Tom Brady and everything, right? And then even as the weeks have gone on, it's been neck and neck between the two. And this is poor timing, but at the same time, I think they're going to benefit from their schedule here because they play Atlanta twice sandwiched by a Denver team. That's really, that's just been reeling. So... This is a prime opportunity for Jameis to, you know, show he's got something if he wants to try and get a contract elsewhere next year, or at the very least, you know, solidify himself as one of the top backups in the NFL, and and, and an opportunity to do what Teddy Bridgewater did when when uh, Drew Brees went down, and that was go five and zero, oh, where there were a lot of questions: uh, were the Saints dead in the water at that point? They were able to go five and zero, oh, and solidify their place in the South and continue on that run into the postseason. So I think they're capable because we've seen them do it before. The problem is Jameis isn't Teddy Bridgewater. He's actually pretty much the complete opposite. He's a deep ball thrower that takes chances versus an efficient, you know, West Coast style type of quarterback. So I'm interested to see how Sean Payton and company 
work around Jameis Winston. Yeah. But that being said, they've been able to run the football extremely well. So I think if they can lean on that against teams that in Atlanta uh, twice here that have not been able to stop the run very effectively, I think they have a really good chance. These are Alvin Kamara-type games where he's going to have to have 150 total yards and a couple touchdowns for them to get a win. That being said, Atlanta's been playing really well, so it's not a gimme anymore than it was uh, the first month of the year. I would argue for the Saints fans, if you if if Jameis Winston is playing well like Teddy Bridgewater did, let's just say he wins, you know, uh, he wins the Falcons Saints, uh, he wins the Falcons Broncos uh, Falcons game. So he goes three and zero through that. It actually looks pretty good. If I'm yeah. if I'm New Orleans, I purposefully do not bring Drew Brees back until that home game. Uh, in week would that would be uh, week fifteen uh, or se- uh, excuse me yeah week fifteen against the the Chiefs because the, you have the you also have the Eagles after that so it goes it goes Falcons Broncos Falcons Eagles those are four winnable games give Drew Brees a complete month off to get healthy like he had a month off plus with the thumb injury to get healthy and then you have a fresh Drew Brees down the stretch. It's a home game against the Chiefs, home game against the Vikings, and at Carolina to finish out the season for him to get back in rhythm, get going. Um, I, you know, it's going to be really interesting. And and if you're the, if you're Tampa, which a week ago you were dead in the water for the division, now it is like high alert, high alert. If you're Tampa, every game now is win win uh, you got to prioritize because you now you give that door cracks back open for you to get the division and we talked about how important it is for you to not be a wild card team to not have to go on the road three times to try and get to a, a, a Super Bowl I mean that is daunting for any team to go through yeah and you know coming in to the year that was everyone's, you know, on everyone's minds was, is Tampa Bay good enough to actually take the division over the Saints? And, you know, it seemed like that was going to be the case, but New Orleans has played great football the last month. And, you know, they had a, a good win over Tampa Bay. And then Tampa Bay has been riding this roller coaster so far. You know, it's they've had some really good-looking wins and some, you know, more concerning losses similar to almost like Green Bay, where they've looked great at times and dominant and then other times very beatable. This is going to be probably the most fascinating division watch outside of the NFC West for me Yeah, going down the rest of the way because the NFC West is obviously, you know, a lock there with uh, three teams at six and three. But the NFC South is just as fascinating because if the Saints stumble once, which is very possible given that their starting quarterback is out, you don't want to give Tom Brady any any breathing room because totally. once he smells blood in the water, uh, you know he's going to attack uh, with a ferocity. And I think Tampa Bay, with Tom Brady's leadership, is probably more set up to um, take these next games as serious. Whereas maybe in the past, the laissez-faire attitude of the organization would maybe settle in and and you know take things for granted them being at 7 and 3 i think tom is going to be there to kind of steady everybody and be like we need this is pressure yeah. time we we have no time to just sit here and relax and yeah i i think you're right that these next couple games are going to be big for them to take advantage especially with Drew Brees out Dude, the, they have to pass what i see what i see is the issue is that in the afc you could be 10 and 6 and miss the playoffs 
In the NFC, I think your 10 and 6 almost guarantees you a spot because really the pressure from the wild card, if you're an NFC team and you are, if you're in that battle, whether you're Arizona, Rams, Seattle, and then New Orleans, Tampa, those are five teams that all feel like playoff teams, right? And there's seven spots. So you then where you Green Bay gets that other team that feels like a playoff team, and then the winner of the NFC East. So is if you get if you're one of those teams that I just listed, LA, Seattle, Arizona, Tampa, New Orleans, you get to 10 wins, I think you're gonna be okay because the only other teams that are gonna pressure you for the wild card then. Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, Correct. they all already have five losses. So for them, and each one of those teams, do, do, none of them feel like a team that's going to get to 11 and five. And if they get to 10 and yeah, six. Yeah, do we believe any of them are going to go five and one over the final six And that's six exactly games, what I'm saying. Know? is like if yeah. you are Seattle, L.A., Arizona, Tampa, New Orleans, you get to 10 wins. You pretty much can write in that you're good. You feel you feel really good about that because Minnesota getting to ten wins is tough. It's going to be really tough because that's that's that means they have got to go six and one, and and yeah. and I just don't see Minnesota's playing well, but they still have Tampa on there. They have another game against Chicago, and they have another one really tough uh, game. I think it's an NFC West opponent, if I'm not mistaken. No, they have the Vikings. They have the Saints. So they have the Saints, Bucks. And then Bears, uh, Panthers, Cowboys. There's winnable, but you know it, it's going to be t- it's it's not easy. It's tough, yeah. With Kirk Cousins in that defense, uh, and for Chicago, uh, right now, obviously they're on the bye. But then it's Green Bay. They still have to play twice, and Minnesota once. The rest of the games are winnable. So, do you have some more breathing room if you're an NFC team? If you're that NFC West? If you're the Saints? And if you're Tampa? But it's it, it's uh, it's thinner, but it's certainly more than you have in the AFC. The AFC, you could get 10 wins and not make it. I, I think 10 wins gets you into the playoffs in the NFC if you're one of those teams it looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be – I mean, the NFC West is so interesting. and we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll go into that a little bit later. Well, let me too, ask you quickly. Um, quickly in the NFC West, if you had to say right now who wins the division, who do you go with? At this point, i got to go Arizona. I mean, they've – Seattle's been concerning, man, and and this is something I kind of sounded the alarms on a few weeks ago. Was that just there's no there's no defense there? The defense is getting torn apart. And look, Arizona won on a last second hail mary, which isn't going to happen very often to go six and three. But I I just think they're a more well rounded team than Seattle is right now. Now Seattle, if they if they get Chris Carson back and and they're able to resurrect that ground game a bit more then maybe they're back in the conversation. I think it's close between those two. I'll give the edge to Arizona because I think they deserve it right now. The Rams are the the odd man out in my opinion, but I still I I think three teams from the NFC West are going to the playoffs. I, I like that's I I think it's almost a lock at this point. Yeah. It's going to be um probably a little closer towards the end of the year, but I just it's hard to see uh any of those teams missing the postseason this year, which is going to make it tough for the rest of the NFC to, to get into those those final spots in the wild card. I'll, so, I'll say this. I mean, yeah. Seattle still has – they still get to play Washington, the Jets, the Niners, the Eagles, 
and the Giants. I mean, like, they, like they they have five. Sure. I mean, like Seattle, Seattle. If you're just picking, I, I mean, I'll stick with Seattle, um, but because I just they got they have such winnable games left to win that division. I what is the they card- do? But they're you know a couple of those teams have they're very playing, good defensive lines and true. pass rushes. They're playing better, which is which is the weakness right now that Seattle is facing is that. They, they can't block anyone. Yeah. Cardinals, and, I mean, Cardinals, you know, Cardinals still get to play the Eagles. They get to play the Niners. They get to play the Giants, the Patriots. That's going to be a tough game. It's going to be interesting. I, it's fascinating. Yeah. I'll, I'll lean with, I'll lean with Seattle. I, I've been high on Seattle. They're still my, they were, you know, preseason picks or, you know, I'm not a big proponent of like, you know, I'm, I can take a new evidence and evolve and make a change of opinion, but oh yeah, I'll stick sure. with Seattle right now. I think they're certainly in a slump, but, uh, We'll see. It's 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 going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's it's going it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know the MVP discussion was all Russell Wilson, and now it's starting to cloud into you know Aaron Rodgers. And look, I think Big Ben deserves to be in that conversation. To be honest, I'm not saying he deserves to be the leader, but right now he should definitely be in the convo for that. Oh, I I think the conversation is whatever quarterback wins the NFC West, and then I think uh, and then I think. Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, and and Big Ben. Yeah, I think I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. If Aaron Rodgers gets the one seed in the NFC, it's going to be hard to say no, depending on his numbers. If Mahomes, uh, if they end up going like fifteen and one, and Mahomes, I mean, the guy's got one interception, like twenty one. I mean, his numbers are gaudy. You know, the, I I was tweeting about that. This yeah, but the week. thing is with Aaron Rodgers too is like if the Steelers, you know, end up going undefeated, or if they go fifteen and one or something like that. Kurt and Big Ben stays on his track. I mean, they have actually very similar numbers, he and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has more yards and, and, and touchdowns, but uh, Big Ben has, I think, 22 touchdowns to four interceptions. Yeah, I'll You s- know, that's uh, that's his career best for him. I mean, I know uh, we're going to move on here quickly in a second. I'll, I'll end yeah. my point with this. You know I've been the, the driver of the Russell Wilson the train and his MVP ca- you know, campaign. I, I'll say this. I, that dude... If he can get that team to win the NFC West, that Yo, that impressive. alone is like your MVP resume. Now, he may not win it because I do think that Mahomes is you know, I worry I I, I what this is what I tweeted out, and I'll let the listeners sit with this and make their own conclusions. I don't want the NFL MVP to come the NBA MVP, where we're just like, ooh, this is a fun storyline. Like Kyler Murray yeah. is not yeah. the MVP. Like, I'm sorry. He's very good. I love what he's doing. He's so fun to watch. But if we let this Lamar – like, Lamar Jackson, I felt, deserved it because they got the seed. You know what I mean? They they were they were dominant. They, those – you know, what they did. But I worry we're getting into why is Russell Westbrook winning the MVP over LeBron James? Why is James Harden winning the MVP over LeBron James? Let's not take advantage of the fact that Patrick Mahomes is otherworldly and I, and I do think still Russell Wilson is the second best quarterback in the league, so he should get votes. He should be in discussion, especially if he takes that crappy defense and that I mean defense that is record breakingly bad. If he can get them to win an NFC West against those teams, that's an MVP resume. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. All right, right before we get to our bold strategy, Cotton, I just want to make this one quick statement. Congratulations to Mr. Baker Mayfield because he passed Ben Roethlisberger for most wins at First Energy <laughs> Stadium. That with is 12. insane. 
That's it's incredible. Good for it's him. Incredible. No quarterback. Twelve wins too. And you know what? Big Ben had eleven wins there. You know what's funny about that is they they still need a new quarterback. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly. They still haven't found the guy. I think. No doubt. All right. So uh, next up, our bold strategy cotton moment of the week. This is a fun one, Mark, and it was something I don't remember from week five. So we go back to week five for this, but it has relevance to this week. So setting the stage, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Las Vegas Raiders um, this upcoming Sunday. Uh, The Chiefs were upset by the Raiders in week five, 40 to 32 in Arrowhead at Arrowhead Stadium. And... So this is what happened back in week five. I don't remember this story coming out at the time. I'm sure it did. But apparently the Raiders, as they departed for the airport, their team buses circled Arrowhead Stadium before exiting, somewhat as a, uh, you know, flaunting a little bit before heading over to the airport. So fast forward now to this upcoming week. Yesterday in the uh, pregame press conference with Andy Reid, he was asked about that moment back in week five. And uh, this is according to NFL.com. He said they won the game, so they can do anything they want to, but that's not our style. And then John Gruden was also asked about this incident, and this is is pretty interesting. He said um, he was kind of just asked about, um, you know, if that was a victory lap for them after the win. And he said not really. I mean, you can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadium to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. End quote. So, so, so I love this. I love this. It's it, because what he, Gruden's implying is the bus, their bus driver was a little upset that the, that the Raiders won. And so Gruden made him drive around the stadium. Like, you know what? Hey, can you make another right here? You know, can we go around the stadium one more time? I <laughs> right. think I forgot something. Oh, you know, make another lap. And I, I love that. I, I hope that's exactly what happened. And I love the fact that the Chiefs found out about it. I'm all about rivalries. And, and, I, and I think that the Raiders being good again is great for the NFL. They are a brand. And the Raiders at their core – you know, we, we, we joke about this, and I'll talk about this with the Bears here coming up in a second. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You could get a new GM, a new head coach. You can move your franchise to a new city. Sometimes you're just, you are who you are. Like, there's something in the DNA, almost like the fabric of the jersey. You know what I mean? Now, otherworldly things can change it. The Patriots were not a great organization. They were an okay organization. They get... Their, their new owner in the late 90s, and then you get, uh, uh, you know, uh, Robert Kraft buys the team in the late 90s. They get Belichick, they get Brady, and they have changed the fabric of who they are. That was a momentous change. You know, there's things like that that happen. Um, the the Bears, it doesn't matter. You uh, We joke about it all the time, but who cares if they had drafted Pat Mahomes? He would probably be already out of the league and a bum by now. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's what they do. It's just what they do. The Raiders at their core, that's this is who they are. I mean, and John They're instigators. Yeah. That's and, what they do. And that yeah. maybe not be great for like Super Bowl multiple, multiple Super Bowl titles titles. But the Raiders, kind of like the Bears in their own way, 
It's like they're a team that just feels like if they win a Super Bowl every 20 to 25 years, that plays for them. It gives them enough to stay this kind of cocky attitude and just do their thing, and I love it. So I, do, I think it's bold, but I think it's bold in the best way. I think, I think if, especially if you know you're not necessarily a Super Bowl caliber team, if you can just be that team that they just hate playing and they just going to be a thorn in the side of the, of the lead dogs, I love it. You know, and it would have probably a little bit different of a feel if they had flexed after beating the team in Las Vegas, after beating the Chiefs in Las Vegas, and then now have to travel to Arrowhead. It's like, oh, now, now you flexed, and now you're now you're going into the Lions' den. But hey, they already flexed on the road. Now they get to welcome the Chiefs in and say, hey, good luck. You know, you, you're coming home to us. I think it's cool. I think they uh, they flexed at the right moment. It was bold, of of course, because you're you're angering Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, which is not you know, a team that you're necessarily excited about emboldening. But, hey, it's the Raiders. It's Gruden bringing, bringing that culture about. And they're playing while they deserve to flaunt. You know, I, I think it's it's hilarious. And, you know, I am i don't know if that actually came out at the time or if it was somehow, like, just reported on this week. But either way, I, th- I think that's hilarious. So um, that was our bold strategy, Cotton, moment of the week. And now we head into our main headlines, which is our primary topics that we want to discuss. And I think you can all guess at this point what is on Mark's radar. So, Mark, I will give you the floor to vent, to rant, to open up a bottle of whiskey, whatever you need to do to get through this next uh, 10 minutes. Well, let me just start by saying this. You know when when your mom... You, you, you know, you, you like, uh, she, she does the whole yes. thing where she goes, you know, when your mom goes like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Absolutely. Of course. You know, when, she, just cuts when she does that, that's worse than when she yells, right? I'd rather my mom smack me in this up the side of the head and be like, you dumb idiot. And you know, or clean your room or I'm so angry at you. How can you do that? You, you know, threw the ball in the house and you broke the vase and scream at you. But what's worse is when your mom walks in and she just looks and she goes, I'm just disappointed. And then she walks away. And I will say this. I'm disappointed because I saw this coming months and months and months and months ago. And you can check the pinned tweet. I'll keep saying it. Check my pinned tweet at Mark Espen, M-A-R-K-H-E-S-P-E-N. The day they made the move for Nick Foles, I, I knew it was over. I knew this season was going to be this type of season, an up-and-down disaster. Now, I predicted the Bears to be 10-6 and six and to make the wild card because I, I bought into what Nagy was saying and what we were seeing in camp of Mitchell earning that job. And I knew what was best for the Bears going forward in this season to try and win this season. I, and I still thought, still you know, believed early on the best thing for an organization to do. I hate tanking. I hate firing coaches midseason. I hate upheaval in that way because you lose stability. You 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 have to build a culture. I still think one of the biggest mistakes the Bears made in my lifetime was ten and six Lovey Smith firing him. It has sent this down the spiral. Now I still think Lovey eventually would have gotten fired. You have to move on. He was antiquated and it was starting to show in the NFL. But and that team was getting old, the defensive pieces, you needed to maybe make some changes. But that type of overreaction, it, it can kill you. But when they signed Nick Foles, I, I just ha- you just knew this was coming. It's the reason I tweeted what I tweeted and being anti-Nick Foles. 
And let me just start by saying this. The Vikings were giving up 412 yards in offense of offense going into the game. That's the third worst in the NFL. The Bears had 149 yards of offense, okay? The Bears' defense held Dalvin Cook to 96 yards and zero touchdowns. The two weeks before, Dalvin Cook, zero touchdowns. The two, the two weeks before, Dalvin Cook had run for uh, 370 uh, yards combined and five touchdowns. He was as hot as he could get, and the Bears stifled him. And the Bears had nine run plays on second down to gain a total of nine yards. Nine yards. In the second half, they had five rushing plays on second down that went for zero yards. So offensively, this team is an absolute mess. They are in every major category, second worst in the league offensively to only the New York football Jets. They are, I saw, I think it was um, one of the one of the main Bears beat writers tweeted out. I'm not going to take credit for it. I can't remember who. I think Dan Weeder said it. They're a 4-12 and 12 offense with a 12-4 with a, uh, and four defense. And I, uh, no, I think it's worse than that. I think it is a 0-16 defense. I mean, 0-16 offense with a 13-3, 14-2 type of defense. And exactly why they're going to end up 7-9 or 8-8 eight eight at this point. I, I, I will say this. I'm, this is the meat of what I want to say. I don't know. I don't know what they should do. I don't know what's the best course of action. I don't. I, I really don't. They have, they have really screwed themselves when they made that deal for Nick Foles because the writing was on the wall. You had, you had not given Trubisky the extension. And if you weren't going to go after Cam and you weren't going to completely overhaul the quarterback position in the offseason, the best thing you could do was to just play Trubisky and try to win 10, 9, 10 games make a playoff run, and then go on from the quarterback from there. Trade up, draft capital, build it, say, hey, we got our culture, we got everything, we know everything that works, and we're just going to get the guy. But what we've learned now, Dan, and I think this is the most significant thing, is at the beginning of the season, we all thought, well, it's just Trubisky, it's his problem. But now I think we have learned that this head coach's offense is bad. It's bad. Bill Lazor calling the plays, it's not just the it's not just the the calling of the plays. It's bad offensive plays. It's bad offensive play calling. But it's a head coach that I still think could be a very good head coach in this league. So let me walk you through some scenarios. Let me walk you through from nightmare to dream, okay? Nightmare scenario is this. The Bears fire uh, Nagy, they fire Pace, they get rid of Trubisky, and within three years from now, Matt Nagy is head coaching a football team that's very good. Mitchell Trubisky is the starting quarterback for a team, and he's winning games, and he looks great, and the Bears are a 3-13 and mess in a, and stuck in a horrible rebuild, right? That The nightmare is you let go of guys, you didn't necessarily get the soup right, you know, the chef, the cooking, it didn't really work. And now the guys, you you dismantle all the parts and they're succeeding in other places because I still think that Nagy has got something. I don't know what it is. I still think he could be a good CEO of a head coach of a football team. And I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is the guy. I think it's kind of like Carson Wentz, almost what you're seeing, where you just maybe need a fresh start. If Mitchell, Mitchell just needs a fresh start, kind of like Jameis Winston, get out of town, fresh start. He could be successful. I don't think it's going to be with the Bears. So here's the other option then. When you when you go into what's kind of what I think mostly will happen is 
the, is that the Bears are just going to need to ride this out, and I think they need to put Trubisky back in because now you have to find out. Foles was a, was a bad decision by your head coach, and it was a nightmare decision by him. It was a stupid decision, and it was a stupid decision by your GM to bring in Nick Foles. So now that you go back to Trubisky, because now you got to find out, wait a minute. It can Nagy salvage this season, and is Nagy the guy going forward as the CEO with Lazar, Laser, whatever the heck you pronounce it, calling the plays? You get guys healthy after the bye week. Your offensive line hopefully comes back, gets more pieces. Can you string together wins? Because losing doesn't help you not necessarily that much anymore. All it does is it, it, it worsens the culture. You struggle. You already have five wins. You'll probably end up with at least six, seven wins. It's not great for your draft positioning anyways. But you have to find out now. The question is, you know, last year the question was, is Mitch the guy? Now we have to find out, is Nagy the guy as just the CEO head coach, right? And then there's the dream scenario, which is um, you can get through this season. Uh, you can you can peacefully move on from pace, Nagy, Trubisky, and somehow you can convince Lewis Riddick and Eric Bieniemy, uh, and you can trade many picks, and you can get Fields or Lance, and you start over with the defense intact. Because that's my night. But part of the nightmare I forgot to say is that you lose. If you go into rebuild, that means you lose Roquan. You, I mean, you have to like you, you like you lose the. I mean, that defense can still win now. Allen Robinson, sign him. Cole Komet. Uh, uh, Miller, like, can you get, like, it's literally a coach, a quarterback, and an offensive line from being maybe a Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. So can, and I don't know how you rebuild a GM, a coach, an offensive line, a quarterback, and keep everything else, but can they do that? I don't know. I'm, I'm a mess. As you can hear from this past eight minutes of rant, I'm a mess. I don't know. And so... I'm going to take one breath. I'm going to te- I'm going to say this. I want it on record for all the fans who listen to know I'm a Bears fan and, and know that, that you come to me for what I think the Bears should do. In the short, I'm just going to focus short term because the 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 long term, the big, it's too overwhelming. They're in too much of a hell to figure out what's going to happen there. And I don't want to think about it because it's depressing. Because most likely we're going to lose out of Mac and Roquan, and the defense is going to go bye bye, and we're going to be stuck in hell. So in the short term, I want to win games. I want to be, I want to keep a good culture and I want to find out if Nagy is the, the is the head coach still. Can he still just be your head coach with Ryan Pace? Can they piece it together to the bye week? The only way to do that is go back to Mitch and give Mitch a chance to audition for jobs in the future. He deserves that and uh, he's your best chance of winning cuz your defense is good enough to win still. Um, that's the short-term plan. Go back to Mitch, go back to Mitch, go back to Mitch. I hope Foles is okay. You never want to see a guy get injured, but he's not the answer. He's got to be, even if he's healthy, get rid of him. I want to see the Bears with laser calling offensive plays. Nagy is the CEO, and Mitch is the the quarterback healthy. That's what I want to see from this Bears team the rest of the year. And I don't know what that means for the future. It's too overwhelming to think about. As you can tell, my brain is mush. (laughs) I mean, I look, I... I, I hear everything you're saying, and I and I you know sympathize with you because that's it's a tough position to be in. And look, I mean, I I'll echo those sentiments coming into the year. What was your best case scenario if you were looking at the Chicago Bears? It's twelve and four. Mitch 
gets back to that 2018 Mitch Trubisky and and even builds on that. They win the division and and make a run at the Super Bowl. Worst case scenario, they go five and eleven, four and twelve, and you you end up moving on and it's just it's just a you know an absolute uh, disaster. You're kind of having that now with the Nick Foles in 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 the you're staring down a six and ten, a seven and nine at this point. And it's looking rough. So what did Nick Foles do for you? What did he? And, and and the thing is, is they could say, well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But the thing is, there were so many people, yourself included, that were sounding the alarms from the start. Yeah. That were saying, Nick Foles is not going to elevate this team to the point where, oh, now we're going to make a run at the Super Bowl. That was the problem. Nick Foles comes in and he'll be the one to do it. I mean, what has this team been missing the past several weeks? It's been mobility. It's been running the football. These are things that Mitch could have at least given you in terms of moving the pocket. I mean, that wasn't his downfall. Um, so it, you would still take the ultimate uh, worst-case scenario with Mitch at this point and have had a season where you at least gave Mitch the whole run and you, you screwed the pooch on that one. You're 5-11, and 11 and at least you have a top-10 pick. Only, and now you can make a push for a quarterback. The only thing I will say in defense of my, my, what this short-term plan, because a lot of people out there will be listening and say, Mark, you're an idiot. The, the goal should be just to lose as many games, fire everyone, clean house, clean house, right? And I, and I and listen, you could easily convince me of that. But what I'm the point I'm trying to make with getting Mitch back in there, making a run to be to that seventh seed, make a wild-card run, is this. You're done with Mitch anyways. If you can continue to build the culture and keep that defense engaged and happy, that core of defensive players is still there. My concern is you. if you fire the GM, you fire the coach, you fire the quarterback, the new GM might come in and say, I don't want this Cleo Mack contract. I don't want the, I don't want to pay Roquan Smith, which are all things that I want them to still do. So if you can win games and keep Nagy as the CEO head coach and you put yourself in a position to then be attractive or make a trade, try to pry Matthew Stafford away. Try to get yourself a Darnold. Try, maybe you're in the Jimmy G sweepstakes and you make a run. This is the type of team that still has a Super Bowl window because of that defense and the weapons you have on offense. If you sign Allen Robinson, stop being an idiot Ryan Pace and save your job, sign Allen Robinson – you know what I mean? Like you, you, if you just give me Nagy, him not calling plays, and a real quarterback, a top fifteen quarterback. Maybe it's Dak Prescott. I don't know. Maybe you trade up for the draft, but give me one of those guys. This is a team that all of a sudden is right back in there. They are the titans of the of the North of the of the NFC and could be in an NFC championship in a year from now. So I, I just I worry that you when you you go into tank mode. You lose this defense, and this defense is something I want to keep. I want to keep Chuck Pagano. I want to keep this defense. Maybe they still can with a new GM and a new head coach, and I'd be happy to hear that as well. You don't want them to turn into the the Jacksonville Jaguars yes. in 2017 where they, they had problems on offense but decided we're just going to unload our defense that was elite, and then now they're still in a rebuild mode. You yeah. don't want that. And um, – no, I, I totally agree. The, it's, the north, the window is now. The The Vikings are is. never going to do anything legitimate with Kirk Cousins, and they have him for two more years. Aaron Rodgers 
is not Superman anymore. He's still elite, but he's not. He's beatable. He's 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 more beatable now than he was the past ten years, and you had to deal with him. Your window is still now, so that defense still gives you a chance. It's it's a nightmare. Again, I don't. I gotta stop talking about it. It's a nightmare. Um, it's a nightmare. Check the <laughs> pin tweet. I've been on it. For there the you beginning. go. Check it. Check it on Twitter. All right, Mark. So what I want to talk about is the that teams with a top 15 quarterback. That's kind of what I'm focusing on here, right? And the whole premise of what I'm about to talk about here is to make a point about my reluctance to accept Green Bay, Seattle, and even to the, a lesser extent Buffalo as being those teams that can make that deep playoff run and have championship caliber units. And so the whole point of this is if you're an elite quarterback in this league, you can win a lot of games. You can potentially take your team to a Super Bowl. But how many teams have truly taken or gotten to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl with only an elite quarterback and no other supporting cast? It just doesn't happen. Every great Elite athlete needs a little bit of help. Tom Brady has needed help. Jordan needed Pippen. LeBron has needed help in his years to win titles. Everyone needs some help around them and a supporting cast to be able to get over that hump because while those players themselves elevate everyone on the team, you need other guys there to be elevated to an elite level. Otherwise, you're just elevating guys from not very good to decent. And sometimes, and often, and not um, oftentimes, uh, more than not, that's not good enough to win a championship. So here are some teams I was thinking about with top fifteen quarterbacks that, in my mind, have enough balance and enough of a supporting cast around them to be playoff contenders. Even if you swapped out their quarterback with, I'm going to say, a below average but not worse quarterback. So I, I think Teddy Bridgewater. Or Kirk Cousins. Yes, it's a, there's a group. There's a group. You, I say there's three. There's three names you can insert. I call it. I call it the Dak Prescott group. It's Dak, Kirk, and Bridgewater. Like any three okay, of those guys, not high turnover guys, high yardage guys, quality guys, little mobility. Uh, you don't necessarily think of them. They're right in that range. When you rank the quarterbacks, they always fall between like fourteen and like eighteen. For sure, and yeah. I, you know, I'd even say you know they would go into like the the mid twenties, like, like Kirk would probably be in like, like the 23rd. If you had to rank like all quarterbacks, I don't know if he would crack the top 20. Maybe he does. I, I don't know. I haven't um, detailed it out that much, but, but consider that the premise here, we're thinking about a couple of those quarterbacks swapping out. Do these teams still have playoff contention uh, written all over them? Kansas city. I say, yes, you take Mahomes out, you put Kirk cousins in. That is still a team that gets to the playoffs. Uh, the Raiders take out Derek Carr. They're gonna. It's gonna be a little bit of a dip in production, but you put Teddy Bridgewater there. There's still a team I think that makes a run at the playoffs. Tennessee, same deal. Tampa Bay, I believe they have a good enough defense, plenty of quality receivers there to make up for you know a lack of quarterback you would have there. New Orleans, another team I think is is balanced enough to make a run. The Rams, I think, are starting to show that they can run the ball a little bit better. So I'm gonna give them the edge there. And I don't think Goff is he's not an elite quarterback. So I think if you have a little bit of dip in production, I think they are a playoff contender at that point. Pittsburgh, another team. Dominant defense, great weapons. They can survive that. Baltimore, they're 6-3. and three. 
you take out Lamar Jackson, you put in Kirk Cousins. That, that team would struggle, but with as dominant of a defense as they have and a great run game and a great coach, they're still getting there. And then I put asterisks on the on these other teams because they probably don't have a top 15 quarterback, but they're right around that area. Um, Miami, I think, w- could survive. Uh, Indianapolis, I think, could. And Cleveland. Okay, all those teams are 6-3 and three right now. I think they're playoff contenders with some of these other quarterbacks. But here are those teams that just aren't playoff contenders if you take their quarterback away. And that's Green Bay, Seattle, Buffalo, uh, I think Arizona, and then Philadelphia. And the reason I, I, I'm, I've got such a pause on Green Bay and Seattle, and, and I've been seeing this for a couple weeks now, they're too reliant on their quarterback because their quarterback is essentially all they have. Now, Green Bay, I'll give them this. They've been able to run the football well. So I'll give them that they are maybe a little bit more balanced than these other teams. But all that being said, Green Bay's defense has shown giant weaknesses. Outside of Devontae Adams, their weapons are subpar. They get uh, gashed by the run. As well. they, they get absolutely gashed. And I, I'm not super convinced that their run game isn't great solely because it's a great run game and not because of the fact that teams have to stay on their heels because you never know if Aaron Rodgers is going to beat you over the top on a play action or a boot or something like that. I think they struggle in that regard, and that's why I don't think Green Bay is a team that when you need them to, when you need other elements, like you always do in the postseason to come through, you need your defense at moments. You need uh, another receiver to make a big play when everyone's shutting down Devontae. You need those guys to come through, and I just i am not sold that Green Bay has that. I'm not sold that Seattle has that. Um, we saw it where... The Rams completely shut down DK Metcalf. You take away their biggest weapon, and with as poor of an offensive line as they have, Russell Wilson's running for his life, and he's doing everything he can. I mean, but but he's baited into some bad picks because he's forced to have to do everything. He has to do it all. Hopefully when Chris Carson comes back, they'll have a little bit more balance on the offensive, offensive side of the ball. But there's a lot of worry there. Philadelphia, it's... It, it, you know, it, it describes itself. You take Carson Wentz out of that picture. I don't even know if they have one win this year. I mean, they, they have the three wins they have because Carson Wentz is being able to somehow keep them at the top of the NFC East there. But we saw it. They're a struggling team right now. And, you know, they lost to the Giants. There's just a lot of things that are not looking so great. Uh, and Buffalo and, and Arizona, I think, are right there. So, um, and, and then even the bad teams, Houston and Cincinnati, I don't think they you get two wins out of those teams if you take away their quarterback and replace them. So there there are situations like that where you the balance is is obvious and that's where the good teams get separated from the elite and um, and great teams. And that's why I think the Kansas Cities, the Pittsburghs, uh the Tampa Bays, the New Orleans are going at the end of the day to be there at the end of the year. And that's why I think the championship games are going to be Kansas City, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. New Orleans, um, or, or to an extent, you know, you could throw the, the Baltimore's on the outskirts there or something like that. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of concern there for a lot of these teams, especially Green Bay and Seattle. You know, I think what is so fascinating as you're saying that, it hit me too. You're not just talking about the players on the field. It's coaching staffs as well. You know, a hundred percent. I think, I think Pete Carroll, I think he's a hall of fame coach, but I think he's really struggled 
you know, that defense has not been the same. And he employs guys. He's loyal to a fault. And, no, and, and Nolan, I mean, like, at what point in time do you make a change? Or do you make a move? Like, where – what's what's going on there? And, and you know, I think so much of it has to do with, you know, with Kansas City. We've already seen them without Patrick Mahomes. They were an 11-5 and Alex Smith, like, you know, perennial uh, uh, playoff division winner, you know, in, in making the playoffs because – when they have an average quarterback, when you have an elite coach and those weapons, it's just what it is. Um, I think also you could say on the flip side, that's what's so maddening for teams like the Bears or, you know, uh, where you're just saying like, well, no, if you could just get a quarterback to go from the mid-20s into the high teens or low, like 10th ranked quarterback, all of a sudden now you're a team that's like an elite, you know what I mean? So there's, there's flip sides to that coin as well. And I think a, a big part of what you also described is the MVP race. Why do we have Rodgers, Wilson um, so high in the MVP race, Kyler now? Because they, you know they're kind of doing it with less. You know that they are more valuable than the guys who, you know, have an elite coach and a, an elite supporting cast. 100%. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's – quarterbacks can elevate their team to the point where they can carry them. I mean, Dan Marino even was able to carry oh, yeah. teams deep into the playoffs, you know, like by himself, basically alone. Rogers has um, done it for a long time. And Rogers has done it. Absolutely. So it's not that they can't do it, but it, to me, uh, if you're trying, if you're a betting man, if you're trying to actually foreshadow for the championship games, I don't see how you could put them there at this point. They can, they certainly can do it. But it's much more difficult to win three game, three postseason games where it's all your quarterback all the time the ol- taking you the entire way. The only, the I only- mean, he, even Patrick Mahomes needed help oh, from yeah. some guys uh, last year's playoff run. Even though he helped put the team on his back to come from behind in all those games, you needed guys to make plays. Tyreek Hill had a phenomenal postseason. You yeah. know, Kelsey, all those well, guys. Well, they've improved their them. defense. They signed Chris Jones. Matthews is very yes, good. Yes. You know, um, I will say this: I, the only the only hiccup I see with that plan, if the playoffs were to start right now, like if seeds kind of remain, Green Bay being the one seed, getting the bye and getting to play at home, yeah, that'd be huge. Will be huge. That will help them. But again, yeah. it's that's Rodgers getting help in a weird way, you know. But it's help he's <laughs> yeah. creating yeah. because uh, of the wins that he, you know, he's putting the team on his back in a lot of ways and him and Adams. I mean, they're a different offense when they have Adams. I told you I've been on that train. What happened when Adams went out of the game, the Jaguars come back into the game. Their offense can't move the ball. They force Adams back in there. Even though he's injured, he catches another touchdown pass. Adams is, 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 is that dude right now, him and Hopkins at wide receiver in this league. Um, it's interesting to watch. I, I think it's fascinating. I know we're, we're moving on to wrap up the show here, but I like you. Could, I could talk quarterbacks all day. It's so it's so fascinating. Where you know, and I I also like the point you're trying to make here. And I think it's, I think it's the way I rank quarterbacks, is that can this person get like win a Super Bowl? Can they make the plays in the moment? Can they win the Super Bowl? So. I think that's where you start to get that cutoff around 13. I think there's about 13-ish, 14 guys. And then there's that group of young guys you maybe want to see a little bit more from. And then there's 12, 13, 14 guys. Like, I don't think that person can win a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Teddy Bridgewater, 
they're in that, I don't think they can win a Super Bowl. Things have to go so right for them. We saw with Jimmy G. He had everything so right. And even then, when he had to make the pass, the play, couldn't do it. Jared Goff is right on that line. He had everything go so right for him. And he just couldn't elevate in that big moment. Now, he was super young there. So I think Goff is closer to the yes than the no. But you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's that line. Matt Ryan, three years ago, I would have said yes. Matt Ryan today, no. So it's that, it's that, to me, it's that line. If that's how I, the first question I ask when I rank quarterbacks, are you in that group? And now if you're in that group, I'm going to take the other traits into account, what you've done in the past, your upside, and that's how I rank quarterbacks. And I think for the past, you know, better part of two decades, we've been waiting for Phillip Rivers to prove that he's in that group. But in the playoffs, he has not made those the plays but necessary. He was to in get that there, group you know? for a long time. But he was. Uh, and in the past two to three years, and especially this year, I, he's definitely not in that group, in my opinion, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so before we close out the show with our Thursday night football predictions, uh, which is just a couple days away. Uh, we'll do our what if segment and uh, ask ourselves a question and ponder what results could come from this. So, look, the Patriots, we talked about, it, had a very convincing win over the Ravens. Despite the conditions, they were able to gut it out and beat a very, very good Baltimore team. What if, Mark, the Patriots make the playoffs, somehow fend off the Miami Dolphins or even the Buffalo Bills, uh, depending on how things shake out here, or just, you know, get that wild card spot? What do they do in a situation as a franchise here with Cam Newton? I mean, what is his future? If they're able to get to the playoffs and be competitive and, and win some of these really tough games, does Cam get extended? Because right now, as we all know, he's just on that one-year contract. I think it's a great question. I think it's pretty easy to answer. If Cam Newton leads them at this point in time to a playoff spot, with, again, talk about they had the league leading eight starters opt out of COVID. I think, I think it was six starters and two reserves, but play, guys who played a lot. You know, they are missing big, big pieces. And I think Cam would take a discount or even another one-year deal to stay there. I think Cam is happy there. I think Cam likes it there. I think this is the type of team, if Cam can get them into the playoff spot, if they can get to it uh, somehow to nine wins and uh, get some breaks, ten wins, I think, you know, be really hard, but if they can get that, they make a run, or even if they don't make the playoffs, but they end up nine and seven, and he looks good down the finish. I think it's the type of team that they look each themselves in the mirror and say, "Hey, look at all the guys we're going to get back from the COVID opt out. We have all these draft picks. What? Why not just make a run with Cam? And you can w- spend one of your second round draft picks to get rid of Stidham and bring in a young guy. You know what I mean? There are going to be players available." Or uh, you even run it with Cam and you let the rookie sit. Uh, you know, you you use picks to take a first round or move up. They have so many picks, remember. Um, I think it's interesting. If Cam leads them to somewhere 9-7, and 10-6, they make a playoff run. I don't know how you don't give – you don't say, Cam, one-year deal, $20 million, let's make a run back. Don't you love it here? I think Cam would say yes to that. I think the Patriots would be in on that. And again, because I, I just think they're a team that they know right now they are not the team they should be. And I think that they, if they, if the coaching staff sees enough from Cam and they like him enough and they, he plays really well down the stretch and wins games like he played well against uh, Baltimore in that win, how do you not say, well, you take one year, 21, 22, $23 million, 
uh, all guaranteed. We're going to get these guys back from the COVID opt-out list, use our draft picks, and let's make a run at it. Yeah, I think they're set up well. I mean, to your point, I, I think, you know, there's not much for them to lose in this situation. They have a ton of money, as we know. They're not paying many guys. So they can afford to pay Cam a little bit more to, to you know, incentivize him to come back. It doesn't hurt you. You don't need a long-term, even if it's a two-year extension, whatever. You ride with Cam for the next two years as you work to get uh, whatever new quarterback you want to bring into the fold, uh, getting, you know, accustomed to the culture and, and the playbook and all of that stuff. I think it's a win-win scenario for them in that regard. Uh, you mentioned all the picks they have. If they do decide to go up and get a young quarterback and, and somehow get themselves into the Justin Fields territory or a Trey Lance or something like that, then, yeah, they let the guy sit for a couple years, and it's a perfect situation for him to just slowly ease into whenever they need him to, and I think we can trust that the Patriots will be able to um, you know, facilitate that development properly. Going off of that, there's going to be quite a few free agents this year as well. Will they suck it up and actually make some plays in free agency? Which, you know, I think given the, the money they have, they should do that. They'll, you, you said they're going to get all those players back, which the majority were on the defensive side. And the defense has been their bonus this year. So imagine how much better it'll be next year when they get some of those guys back. Um, get yourself a, a playmaking receiver, yeah. a tight end, a, a running back. Get, get someone that could make plays for you on offense. You bring Cam back, you shore up that offensive line, and your defense is coming back stellar. I think they're set up well to, to succeed the next couple of years. And it's like 13 picks, I think, next year. So they can definitely make moves. And if it's not first round, you move up and, and get a couple second rounders, a couple third rounders. And all of a sudden, now you've got quite a few pieces on the O-line uh, and uh, some playmakers that you can fit into the mix and see if someone jumps out early on. I, I think I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, Dan, I think the other thing that you have to factor into this when you look at the, the NFL as a whole, there are going to be so many teams that are looking for quarterbacks. I, I, I'm serious. They, 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 the, the need for quarterbacks is great. You can go through the list. The Jets are obviously going to move off Darnold. Uh, it looks like they're 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 going to be or or you know um, if they don't you can get a haul they're going to get a haul of picks and someone's going to take Trevor Lawrence. I think um, uh, I think that uh, you look at Jacksonville their their quarterback needy Indianapolis their quarterback needy Denver Washington Washington. Um, you're also going to look at um, how happy is Dallas Dallas going to have a high pick. What do they do? Um, obviously um, Chicago. Where does Detroit do with Matt Stafford? Um, Atlanta, what do they do? They're, they're going to look to try to get the heir apparent to Matt to Matt Ryan. New Orleans, this is very well could be Drew Brees' last year. San Francisco, do they move off Jimmy G? That's an, the only Cleveland. wrench I see. Uh, yeah, the wrench I see with the Patriots is do they maybe want to make a run at Jimmy G? Because he'll be available and available for cheap. Uh, but then where does Cam go? I Cam is every game right now. Cam is fighting for his future, and I think the best future he has is another year or two with the Patriots, and that, and then maybe retiring and moving on into whatever Cam's going to do post career. So I know you know how important this is to him. So I think if I'm the Patriots, best case scenario, um, Cam plays really really well. You roll with Cam for a year or two while you develop a young guy. And uh, or, or you know and and uh, and you can get Cam for fairly cheap because he wants to be there because I don't think he wants to necessarily go anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, 
So, Mark, as we close out the show here, we got a, a saucy matchup for Thursday night football. A great in days. matchup. The Cardinals, it's phenomenal. Cardinals at the Seahawks. Obviously, a lot on the line here is Arizona narrowly holds that lead in the NFC West right now by a half a game. So, look, this is an opportunity for Seattle to bounce back. It's an opportunity for Arizona to put the foot down and claim their stake atop the divisional standings. The current line that we have here, and I'm going off of ESPN, is Seattle minus three with an over-under of 57.5. The game is played at CenturyLink Field in Seattle, Washington. Mark, what are your thoughts on this one? Does Seattle cover that three points, or uh, you know, will the Cardinals – um, you know, get the win. Do you have that money line? Like, how do you think this kind of plays out here? Uh, I will take uh, if it, if the line is three, I'll take. I'm going to take Seattle, and, and I'll take the points as well. I think they covered. I lo- I love Seattle in a bounce back here, um, at home, short week, travel for the Cardinals, emotional win. One of the things we're forgetting about, we you know we're praising the Cardinals a lot, and they deserve. They won that game, but they almost gave that game away. Josh Allen, did. I love Josh Allen, and I would die to have Josh Allen as my Bears quarterback. Love Josh Allen, but he didn't play. You know, he didn't play great, and the Bills basically won that game on a touchdown drive. So, if Hopkins doesn't make that catch, we're not talking at all about Arizona. They're a five and four team that's fun to watch, and Kyler's fun. You know what I mean? So, I think that uh, emotional win for for Arizona. Seattle, back to new corner, desperation time, going from that kind of one seed, dropping the couple straight uh, to two good teams in Buffalo and in the Rams. Uh, I think Seattle comes back, gets a win. I think it's uh, sloppy because both defenses are are sloppy. I think it's one of those crazy games. I think DK Metcalf gets right again. I like Seattle to win somewhere around – 27 20 something along those lines maybe 30 24 something like that yeah you know i i think i'm gonna take the under on that 57 and a half because i i agree and and this is something important to know too i mean obviously weather changes currently it's supposed to be about 49 degrees and rainy yeah which sets up seattle to have favors that seattle. bounce back game yes absolutely because the cardinals you know that it's a lot of you know, uh, lateral movement, and, and that's going to be a much tougher for them to, to pull off. And, look, Seattle's got that momentum, um, or I'm sorry, they, they've got that um, will to kind of, you know, have that bounce-back game like we've seen this year from, you know, teams like Tampa um, or Green Bay. You know, good teams with great quarterbacks and great coaches don't tend to put two stinkers together in a row. So, I would take Seattle to cover this, although I still think at this point Arizona may run away with the division at the end of the year. I think this is a big win for Seattle. They cover the three points uh, in kind of a rainy day, and and I think Chris Carson looks like he may be coming back. It may be one of those lower-scoring games. Uh, I think 28-24 in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. So that's my prediction there. Uh, as we close out the show, should be a fun week. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll be back here, of course, next week to discuss everything from week 11. Mark, anything else to, to close out with? Uh, nope. My brain is fried. I hate my life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 uh, it, this is the NFL, man. You know, crazy thing is it all can change around. It's so quickly week to it week. Can. Uh, and that's what you love about this game. It's what you, it's why you have to live in the moment and also the bigger picture. 
Uh, it's it's crazy. You know, like we we jokingly say all the time. Hey, I predict. You know, I predicted the you know so and so to be this, and yet I'm panicking after one loss. It's like, well, of course they're going to lose some games. No one predicted. You know. No one predicted that uh, the Steelers were going to go, un, you know, if they lose a couple games, like, well, of course, we didn't predict them to go undefeated. It's just the way it is. But we're a fans and we're allowed to get angry and live in the moment. Check the pin tweet. I said that the New York Jets would likely go 7-9. and nine. <laughs> They still can. They still can. They're 0-9. They can close out you the season 7-0. You did that yourself. You didn't, you didn't have to bring it. that up. I forgot about that. You didn't have to bring that up. You did that to yourself. Hey, I'm, I'm just saying, you're telling me there's a chance. Hey, I, had the, chance I, had, right? I think I had the, uh, the Eagles at like 12-4. and four, So. Yeah, yes. You know, there, there, were, there were bound to be whiffs, especially in a COVID season. But nonetheless, follow us on Twitter at Mark Espin, at Dan Vasco, at, at FB Lounge Pod. And check us out on Facebook as well. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy your football. We'll see you back next week for our Thanksgiving uh, edition as we uh, get ready for some Thanksgiving games next Thursday as well. Uh, But until then, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here in a few.